Welcome to Social Media University. It may not be a real university, but it's a damn good place to learn about all things social media. Take your social media presence to the next level with your host and resident social media nerd, Ben Levitt. Class is in session. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Social Media University with myself, Ben Levitt. Awesome to have you today. Hope you're having a great day and I hope you're ready for another awesome episode. This week, we feature Brandon Beavis, the awesome YouTuber and investing expert, and he drops a ton of knowledge about those two subjects, about investing as well as growing on social media. And what was so cool about let's talking to Brandon is because so often in my agency or over on my YouTube channel, I get a lot of kickback from people running certain kinds of businesses saying, my business isn't sexy, there's no place for it on social media, I can't use it to help grow my business. And Brandon is living, breathing proof that that is simply not the case. He has grown a massive and very successful business primarily off the back of his YouTube channel and the brand and presence that he built over there, which allowed him to transition so many of his viewers into members of his investing academy. So he shares a ton of information if you're looking to get into the world of investing or maybe you're looking to grow on social media and YouTube specifically. There's a ton of awesome insight here. And this conversation was recorded around the time where COVID was just coming down hard. So a little bit like eight or nine months ago at this point. So we talk a little bit about that and the challenges that that brought, but there's a ton of great value here. And if you're looking to learn anything about investing, Brandon is always my go-to guy. So if you aren't already subscribed to him on YouTube, click the link down below, go to his channel, watch some of his content, and you're gonna wanna click that subscribe button. So go ahead and do that. And if you're looking for even more support to help you create a custom investing strategy, I could not recommend his investing academy enough. He is a no BS kind of guy who is very much a long-term investor. There's no get rich quick here with Brandon. He's more about legitimate wealth building over time and leveraging proven and more safe and secure strategies that work. So big fan of Brandon, love what he has to say. So much value here, whether you want to get better at investing or with social media. So this one is awesome. If you're new to the show, don't forget to subscribe and let's get right into it. Let's learn from Brandon. Let's go. Brandon, how are you doing today, man? What's going on, Ben? Glad to be back. Second time. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's I think that's a big milestone. I think you're like the first person who this is the second time on the show. So that's pretty exciting. A lot has changed since we last spoke. So I'm excited to to dive into all of that. But first of all, how is life in Vancouver right now during all this that's going on? Yeah, um, it's not too bad in the big scheme of things. All right. I've been speaking with people and I know Montreal's bad. Um I think the East Coast is just because it's busier. It's been hit harder with the quarantine and virus and whatnot. But I mean, at the end of the day, I can't really complain being here in Vancouver. We're mm. slowly open things up. And I mean, I was at the driving range this morning. That's kind of my uh, space it out over there. But work's been good. Um, yeah, people are kind of just slowly getting back to reality. That's, of course, assuming we don't get a second wave coming in. But other than that, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So the biggest element of your business is that you are, you work in investing, uh, you have an investing academy, and then you also have your YouTube channel. So you do a lot of your work remotely from your computer. So how has like the lockdowns impacted your business? Yeah, this has been, it's kind of fascinating. It's a fascinating time for sure to learn about. Um, it's crazy because working from home, it's almost like we've seen a spike in business. Yeah. It's just compared to contrast that to everybody else in the world who's losing jobs and unemployed with everybody that's been at home. I think a lot of people are kind of taking the time to learn about investing, which is 
the amount of traffic that I've seen to my YouTube channel, as well as our course, our academy, as you mentioned, it's actually gone up with the lockdown because, yeah, as I guess just more people have more time on their hands, maybe some of the government money, they're looking out to spend <laughs> it. And it's just a lot of people just uh, trying to get into investing, which is awesome, right? That's, I think, a, that's an awesome thing for people to do. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, like you've been working in investing for a long time externally, even beyond YouTube, but YouTube is kind of how you got into the world of like your public image and mm-hmm. hitting the mass public. So I think last time you were on the show, were you even at 10K subs? Probably not, man. It was probably probably just getting started. So Yeah, which is yeah. insane. I think you might have been at like four or 5,000 at the time. And then <laughs> now like you're going to pass 65,000 today, it looks like, which is absolutely insane, man. So first of all, congratulations on that growth. And then I want to... I'm always curious to hear about what worked for different people. So what do you, what can you attribute your growth to? Thanks. Uh, first of all, Ben, yeah, it's been good growth. Obviously it could be better as I always like, <laughs> like to say, you, know, you see, you see people soaring by you, but it's at the end of the day, I can't complain and uh, congrats to you too, man. I see your channel's picking up some steam too, which is, yeah, thank you. I mean, I remember when you started it off and it was just, I think thousand subs when I first came across you. But um, anyways, I really found that focus played a huge part in the growth. So probably if you look back to the podcast when we first chatted, please everybody, Americans, Canadians, beginners, advanced people, just all sort of generic. One was that over the past couple of years, I've really niched down into Canadian beginners. That's we're here in Canada and that's what people can relate to. It's Um, In the investing world, it's similar, US and Canada, but there is a pretty big difference in the accounts you open and the way you manage things. So a lot of people can relate to the Canadian side of things. And the more and more folk, surprisingly, the more and more growth I saw. So actually, I mean, that's kind of my my takeaway is, I don't know what, uh, I mean, regardless, whatever field someone's in, if you can really specialize in something, you're kind of going to be that, uh, the expert in that, right? So that yeah. was a really big benefactor for me. Yeah, that's super interesting because so many people fight that so hard. Like they don't want exactly. to put themselves in that box, but like you're living, breathing proof that there was riches in the niches as, as like the saying goes. So you were able to, so, like, so what was that aha moment that made you shift course and, and instead of being a generalist, you became a specialist? Like what was that moment or like how did you see that that was an opportunity? Yeah, it's um, it's it definitely wasn't an aha moment. I'd say it wasn't like okay. an overnight flip of the switch. It was just a kind of gradual kind of, you know, accumulating feedback, looking at the analytics in the sense that I can see where my viewers are. I can mm. see which videos do well and what people yeah. want to see. And it's um, you know, don't get me wrong. I love talking about the U.S. market into U.S. audience, but the Canadians really resided with me, and it was kind of like a feedback loop. And it was just like, oh, more Canadian content. Did. And then the algorithm clearly started being uh, more beneficial to me for Canadian stocks. Okay. So Canadian videos, I should say, a lot of times we talk about stocks, but yeah, main idea is that it was kind of a progression of just feedback from the audience, from the analytics that kind of got me gradually this way, not an overnight switch. Okay. So you just were, put stuff out there and you collected feedback and then made a decision from that point with, with a, more information kind of narrowed it down as you go, right? Test it out at first. If you think about it, maybe my first year on YouTube was just testing out, seeing what works and then refining, refining, refining to now. That's what I do. I specialize for Canadian beginners. That's kind of my, 
my niche. Okay, awesome. So as you're growing this YouTube audience, so many YouTubers who do have like a specialty and an area of expertise where they can provide on a far more personal basis through like an info product. What was it that made you appealed to that? And then how did you go about developing your curriculum, targeting the right person for you? Because that can be so hard to figure out who your course is for and targeting it mm -hmm. for them. So can you walk mm -hmm. me through that decision process? Yeah. If I think I got, um, I'm not sure if I grasped that question properly, but I'll try to answer it. Yeah. I think when I found out through my YouTube videos, kind of who my, it was then quite easy to give them a product. Again, when it comes to the course creation, if I'm trying to please America, Canada, beginners, experts, you make a very, very generalized course. But because I was able to kind of focus in on my prime student or my prime client who is a Canadian beginner, mm -hmm. well, then the course creation actually became quite easy. I know exactly what they want. I know how they behave. I know what they're looking for. And I don't have to worry about, you know, options trading strategies for Americans because that's not what we cover. And I think if somebody comes into it without knowing their prime student, right, how they behave and how, what they're looking for, well, then you're at a miss. You're going to be all jumbled up when it comes to creating the product. When you really refine on what your student wants, it's quite easy to deliver them that product. Okay. So I guess Did that answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, actually. So but the other question I have off of that is, so what, at what point were you convinced that you should make a course? Cause I think a lot of people mm -hmm. could, or maybe they think they might, but then what was the deciding factor that you're like, okay, this is something that is one in demand and two that mm -hmm. you can provide. Yeah. It's funny. Like, um, we even talked about it on the first, uh, podcast we had that that was in my plans. This is going back two yeah. years ago to develop a course. So I had, um, kind of the long-term vision since the start of creating a program because I mean, I actually do one of the common feedbacks I get from my channel is we like the way you teach and we like the kind of videos are easy to absorb. And that was kind of my, one of my strengths is that investing is a topic, but it's the way I present the information that people like. Mm -hmm. So from early on, that was a plan of mine and it was more or less about when the right time was. I mean, I didn't want to obviously with a hundred subscribers launch a course because you need to build up some credibility and a following and you need people to like what you're doing. Of course. And that, I mean, there wasn't, I don't know the exact tipping point, whether it was at 5k subs or 10k subs that I decided to do it, but it was kind of an ongoing project to the point where sooner or later, I, and then I could start slowly promoting it and advertising it. So yeah, it was always part of the long-term vision for myself, Okay, but it was more or less that the growth in the YouTube channel was the confirmation of, Hey, this is going to work. Okay. And, uh, that yeah. makes sense. So for your course, you, you mentioned that it's for Canadian beginners. So Correct. who is the, like, so that, that's still a pretty wide. True. So like who, Ranger. who is the course for, like, who does it help? And like, what do they walk away with after taking the course? Good, good question. And that's even taking it to a deeper level of the analytics yeah. and that's something that every day I'm learning more and more, but I've okay. even got, yeah, amongst the Canadian beginners, you can refine down to some of our best students, uh, they seem to be, I mean, I know the age range, like 30 to 40 is kind of uh, the demographic of kids, like a family. And a lot of them work in, um, I'd say good income jobs. So things like, you know, nurses or doctors or some sort of, uh, we have lawyers and accountants even okay. who are more or less specialized in what they do. They've got a good income, but then when it comes to the investing side of things, they're not too sure how to do it. Mm -hmm. So those people have been the best students for us. Um, 
obviously you do get a lot of students, a lot of kids that come out of college who are like looking to invest and they may have just locked in a job and those students are good. But a lot of times they may not have the money for the training. They may be just sorting out their student loans and debt. And it's just that, yeah, I found actually the older the students get, the more they benefit from the training cash to, de- to deploy. They're not just scraping by, I guess you yeah, could say. Yeah. Okay. And it's, um, yeah, basically they can go, if I have this money, you know, set amount in my savings account, or if I have mutual funds at the bank that's being managed, our program will teach you how to deploy that in the right way. And we'll help okay. you open the account, uh, kind of guide them through that process. Okay. Fair enough. So for the traffic for this course, cause obviously any program, any product you have, you need to create awareness mm-hmm. and traffic for it. Have you mm-hmm. done that solely through your YouTube channel or are you doing any sort of paid advertising as well? Yeah. So as of right now, uh, it's completely organic, which is, yeah, we've experimented with different things, but what I've found is just, the uh, the warm leads from YouTube when they kind of know on in a sense, those are the ones that want to take your program. Um, obviously you convert easier on those type of people than, uh, you know, a cold, cold. Out, outreach. Yeah, exactly. Because they have never heard of you before. It just tends to work. It's been working quite well. And I know for a fact, the next steps going forward are at some point to reach out via ads and uh, paid traffic. But so far we've had a really nice growth, uh, growth pattern with the organic. And that's just what we've been running with just YouTube. Okay. And then off of that, obviously you created this course because there was demand. So you saw that there was Mm -hmm. a need for this information in the marketplace. So what are the biggest mistakes that the most people make before they've gotten into your course? When it comes to investing? Yeah. Good question. Um, One of the things, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a mistake, but one of the problems that we solve is that a lot of people have their money managed for them. So a mutual fund at the bank, right? You're working with an advisor and they're they're doing their work for you. And in many cases, they do a good job, but you do pay them a pretty high fee. So it's not a mistake per se. And if they're doing a good job, like it's well worth it to invest with an advisor with the bank. But in many cases, students are paying thousands of thousands of dollars in fees when if you could do it yourself, you can cut that cost down immediately, right? Essentially strip out the advisor and do it yourself on Quest Trade or Wealth Simple, one of these programs. Again, it's not a mistake, but there's an opportunity to save money. And okay. that I think is one of the most common things is that, hey, you know, why... Again, if it, they, they serve a purpose, but if you have the interest, it's something that anybody can do. Why pay those high fees when you can do it yourself? Or of course, just uh, another one is that a lot of people just get scared to invest and they mm. just set a bunch of cash in their bank accounts, 50K, 100K that they built up and they just kind of have it sitting there stagnant. That's of course another mistake because you're missing out on an opportunity to have it grow. For sure. Okay, that, that makes a ton of sense. And mm. then you you actually just mentioned something that I asked you personally, is that the two big brokers here in Canada are uh, like that commonly used online is right. like wealth simple and then quest trade what are your thoughts on those two platforms and like who, which because obviously there's pros and cons to both so who is the totally. right candidate for each one totally good 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 question there and yeah there's a lot of factors that come into things i think they're both phenomenal platforms to begin with you know when someone asked me oh which one's better i'd say hey they're both good the fact yeah. that you're doing it on your own you're cutting out costs it's an amazing option um I do lean closer towards Quest Trade as okay. the better option. I feel like it's more developed. Um, you know, Wealth Simple. I think you're referring to Wealth Simple Trade, which is kind of the yes. newer option. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the newer feature one that I came out with. That one is more tailored towards beginner beginners who are just getting their feet wet and kind of dipping their toes. 
because I mean, one of the things that you'll notice, it's only a mobile platform, right? Mm -hmm. You can only invest through your phone, which is good if you're a teen or not a teen, but a millennial or someone who likes being on their phone and they don't mind that. But for a lot of older people who are serious about managing, you know, if you have a bigger sum of money, sometimes it's nice to have the computer where you can go onto your website and do the research and broker. You don't just want to be doing everything through your iPhone. It's just a little more professional. There are some fees that come into play, uh, obviously with the different platforms. But at the end of the day, I'd say they're both quite cheap. And in many cases, you're paying no fees, no commissions. I think it's more or less just deciding, are you looking to invest for fun and tool around? Because then I'd point towards Wealthsimple. Okay. But if you're looking to build a real good portfolio that's diversified, you got US, Canadian exposure, I like to go to Quest Trade. I think it's a better option uh, all around. Okay, fantastic. So you obviously had an influence that was kind of pushing you towards investing through your dad because he works in the industry mm-hmm. as well. So, and, and we've talked about this briefly before about how he didn't like never push you towards it. You were just kind of drawn towards it. Mm-hmm. What about investing attracted you to it? Because it's not necessarily like a sexy field in a lot Tell of aspects. Yeah. So, so like what, what drew you to it? Good question, man. And it's, um, that's one of the things I ask a lot of my students is, yeah, why are you guys interested in investing? And it's funny, I, I see a similar path that I followed and it's, when you're on the outside looking in, I think investing can just be so complex and so confusing and so overwhelming that you just totally avoid it. It's just, I don't know it. So I'm just going to stay back and not worry about it. But when you slowly start to piece things together and you're like, Hey, I kind of understand that, or I understand this term and you slowly start to build up your knowledge in investing. It's like, um, it's like almost an addiction to know more. It's like a cool field where the more and more comfortable you get, your learning curve, it, it just all ramps up. And then sooner than later, if you commit to it for a while, you're like, holy cow, I know this type of thing. And um, obviously the benefits, you don't even need to explain them for your future and the, you know, what you should be doing with your money. Those are the, the clear ones. But I think it's kind of in a back, a backdoor answer is as you find out more and more, you just want to continue growing and uh, kind of diving into the space. For sure. No, I'd agree with that completely. And building out the fact that I just said, it's not exactly a sexy topic. A lot mm-hmm. of people who do have expertise and want to get into the world of social media, they often don't because of that exact purpose. They say like, exactly. oh, yeah. my industry is not sexy. Who, who would care about that? How did you approach getting into YouTube and why did you think that was an opportunity for you? Yeah, that's um, good question. I think it was a pretty natural path. I mean, it's kind of hard to mix investing, which is boring with YouTube, which is supposed to be exciting and young and cool and hip, right? (laughs) That's the challenge sometimes is to keep a video uh, relatable and fun, which is, I mean, that really draws on my creative side of things, Mm -hmm. right? It's, um, I enjoy making videos. I think we touched on that last time too. It's just like yourself. It's just, you know, some, some people are shying from the camera. Some people aren't, I don't mind getting up here and making a, a well edited production, And I just naturally drew in the finance side of things, uh, Mm -hmm. the investing side, try to mishmash it together. But I think, uh, as you know, like YouTube or social media in general is an opportunity for any type of business, right? That's what people are starting to find out more and more is who cares what you're promoting. If you have a product, if you have a service to offer, your audience is out there somewhere. And this is just a means of getting to them, whether Mm -hmm. it be YouTube, Twitter, a podcast, you name it. And, uh, I think people, more and more people are starting to realize that as time goes on. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where these platforms are so mainstream that whoever your customer is, they're on there. Like it, it may yeah, not be yeah. a huge group, but your yeah. audience, obviously if your business functions, that they're, they're out there. And then exactly. you, you mentioned that you just kind of, you saw that natural fit, so you went for it. But how did you teach yourself 
like how to YouTube properly. Because I think that's mm. another reason is that very similar to how you said that people don't start investing. People don't start on social or specifically YouTube because they see all these things and they just get overwhelmed to the point where they don't start. Right. That is, um, that is a question that I think every day we're just trying to get, we're all trying to better ourselves even today, right? You yeah. learn something new about a, an editing tip or a, you know, oh, this microphone will be better for my podcast, this or that. But when you're starting off from scratch, I think it's a matter of just going out and getting started, right? Okay. Um, trial and error is really the best way for anybody to get started. If you have a pathway to follow, that's ideal. But I feel like most people will just procrastinate, whether it's investing, whether it's starting up a YouTube channel or you know getting on social media. Same goes for investing and social media. You just want to get the ball rolling and just get started. And you have to expect that at first things won't be perfect. You'll be learning uh, as you go along. But you can't learn, you can't grow if you don't get started. So I think really the best thing to do is just just get your feet in the get your feet in the door. Get your yeah, foot in the door. Just get the ball rolling and understand yeah. that it might start off crap, but yeah. it'll, it'll get but better over time. It probably it probably will start out of this crap, right? I mean that's that's for everybody. And it's it's about growing and growing and growing from there. For sure. So with COVID, we've touched on it briefly about how it impacted your business, but it definitely impacted the financial markets. So mm-hmm. what do you think are the biggest mistakes that you see people make going through these unprecedented times, which I'm going to throw right. that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, uh, I guess you could say a lot of mistakes that are being made right now and completely natural because the reality is there are a lot of new investors that are getting started these days. We just touched on that. You know, people have money with, with serve money or they're, yeah. you know, have time down time off. So they're like, Hey, I'm going to learn the stock market. And I think the main mistake that people will make is kind of getting too involved with the trading side of things. And a lot of people, I mean, what we call ourselves on our channels, we focus on long-term investing. Mm -hmm. We are investors, not traders. If you want to swing trade and whatnot, that is a completely separate topic. But a lot of people will try to do the investing side of things and they'll say, Hey, I'm a long-term investor. I like the Warren Buffett approach. I see this for my future. Yet the way they're acting on a day-to-day basis is much more like a trader. Okay. And you know, you've seen that, I'm sure you've heard of the, you know, the Robin hood investors that are buying up all the hurt stock and this and that. And really just, it's a very, very short sighted mentality that's going on. Mm. Sorry, my dog's up in here. Uh, They're thinking very short sighted when I think the right thing to do is to just take a step back and just look long-term. It's, Mm over-involved, which is natural for any beginner, right? Okay. So, and I understand what you're saying because I've been investing for a little bit and I've had conversations back and forth with you, mm-hmm. but for someone who is like completely new, could you explain right. the difference between like how a trader approaches things versus say how you and, and your students would? Totally. That's a yeah, good question to ask there. And the way we like to phrase it quite simply is a trader is somebody that's trying to get in and out of the market over a short period of time. So you essentially buy a stock with the hope of selling it tomorrow or a week from now, you're hoping the stock goes up in most cases, right? I'm going to buy Tesla today and a week from now, I'm going to sell it for a profit. And that's what a lot of people think the stock market is about, jumping in and out, making these short-term moves. Mm -hmm. We focus on the other end of the spectrum, which is identifying a business or an asset, whether that be Tesla or McDonald's or Amazon, buying it at a good price and letting that ride over time. So again, that's kind of what I was trying to emphasize, the long-term view versus the short-term view. Because when you're jumping in and out of stocks like a trader would, you do 
assume a lot of risk. You know, you make a bad trade, the market goes south. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to gamble and speculate on what's happening a week from now, there's not much control that you have over that. And the traders like to think they know what they're doing and they'll tell you they know what they're doing. But in reality, the market's just going and, and you're gambling is what you're doing. But if you can identify a business for the long term, like you believe Amazon's going to be a great business 10 years from now or Walmart or Coca-Cola, you buy the stock, you don't care what it does over a week by week basis or a month from now. We're looking 10 years out with the hopes that this company's going to be more valuable than it is today. It's just a the perspective that you're looking at it from. Okay. And, and I, th- that's a great way of explaining that. The other question I've, I often receive is when I tell people that like they should be investing, they should check out your channel is a lot of people yeah. are like, I guess there's two questions I have with it. The first being is like, they're like, Oh, well, I want to buy it. And then, and then the next question I get is, Oh, when should I sell it? And then yeah. my answer is typically like, well, ideally you don't ever really want to sell it. And, there you go. and then, but then their question is like, then why the hell am I investing? So right. how, how would you answer that question? It's a, it's a very, very good question because yeah, what that comes down to is people want the instant gratification. They want to buy, they want to make money, right? That's why do you invest? You want to make money. I think that a trader is thinking more, again, I keep using the word short-sighted, but they want to buy and they're looking to sell for a profit. I don't want to say get rich quick or anything, but they want to flip that money and take it out. So they have a profit. Yeah. You still, you still make a profit when you invest. It's just that you don't realize that profit till down the road. So a buy and hold strategy, I mean, seriously, your assets are appreciating month after month after month or year after year after year. And 10 years from now, you're going to have a lot more money than you started with. Is there that snowball effect versus a trader who, hey, maybe I need the money next month to go buy a new iPhone or I want to go on a vacation. So I'm trying to sell that uh, buy and sell. You still sell ultimately. The whole idea of investing is at some point, whether it's retirement or when you need a house or whatever it is, you're going to sell your assets. Yeah. But it's just balling rather than jumping in and out if that's a if that makes sense no that makes total sense and then so in the same realm of things is i often get the same questions with people that are are our age is they're like they're very fixated on buying a property so they're like (laughs) i don't want to invest any money that i'm trying to save up for a house but then they're losing on all that opportunity that they would (laughs) have from time in the market so how do what's your two cents on that subject yeah this is always a tricky one ben it's like you know, in many cases, there isn't always a right answer. It's not black and white as to what you should do because everybody's case is slightly different. As a rule of thumb, if you know you're going to be needing the money, let's say a year from now, you said, listen, I'm going to put a down payment on a house. Like, Hey, I've got one in mind. I want to buy a house when I'm 26 or 27 and I'm going to buy a house a year from now. Suggest that you don't invest money leading up to then because over a short period, I know one year sounds like a long period, but in the investing world, that's so short sighted, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Take our current situation now with COVID. We have no idea how the markets are going to be a year from now, right? The economy is slow and people are losing their jobs. Like we don't know for certain that a year from now, the market's going to be up for where it is today. So imagine you had 25 grand or a hundred grand that you had saved up for a down payment and you want to put it in the market, which is the right idea let's assume worst case scenario, a year goes by and now your hundred grand's 70 grand or 65 grand and you've actually lost money. That type of So if it's certain you need, we typically say it's best to just put that in a high interest savings account, something very safe where you're earning something. It's not just sitting in cash, but it could be too risky to put into the markets. On the other hand, if you have a flexible date, like, hey, you know, maybe I want to buy a house, a five-year plan or a few years down the road, it's not set. Well, absolutely. In that case, we do want our money growing in the meantime, right? It's just if you're fixed on something 
and it's a short-term uh, time frame, it's better to be safe than sorry. But if you don't have that hard goal yeah. of buying a house in a year or so, I would say, yeah, let your money grow and you can be a little flexible. If the market goes down, give it time to recover. It just depends on how hard your goals are. Yeah. So play to your situation essentially. But exactly. Also like, and Go ahead. No, sorry. I don't, didn't mean to cut you off, but you'd nail it there. You play to your situation. Yeah. Everybody's got their own unique income uh, circumstances, what type of house they're going to buy, what their assets are like. It's, um, it really comes down to personal personalization in that uh, question. Okay, sweet. And then when most investing experts, uh, what, when they provide advice, they often say to set up like a recurring contribution to your portfolio so that you get into the habit of it and you're getting, taking advantage of what time provides. So what, did you, what do you think are like good percentages that someone should incorporate into what they contribute every single month or bi-monthly or whatever they may do? Good question. Um, first of all, yeah, the, the installations of putting money into your portfolio, like putting it in on a consistent basis, that is really one of the keys for becoming a, a good investor. That's just the simple fact of it. You need to put money into your portfolio to help it grow and snowball. Mm-hmm you'll hear the number 15% is kind of one of the golden rules that you'll hear. They say 15% of your gross income. So you take your, you know, however much you make on a yearly salary, or even if you look at it month by month, you know, paycheck by paycheck, take that gross number. If you can commit to 15%, especially as a young person now, all of the textbooks, all of the old wisdom says you'll be fine by the time you retire. I always like to say that if you're younger and you're living at home, like let's assume you have the luxury of living with your parents and maybe you're just finishing up school and you're not out, you know, supporting yourself in the sense that you have all these bills and expenses and whatnot, you can do way more than 15%, right? Um, I think easily people can be looking up to save close to half of their income. Like you got to spend here and there. That's the reality of it. But I would say 15 on the lower end is what you should target and anything up above that is just gravy. Okay. Awesome. So that's a great range because either way, whatever, again, playing to your situation, but everyone totally. should have an opportunity to put some money away consistently. Totally. So I'm sure like every investor, you have your own pro- approach when it comes to diversification and like putting portfolios together. Mm-hmm. What are like the key points of where, what you look for in a portfolio? Like how do you start gotcha. to develop that? Good question. And yeah, one of the things we really pride ourselves on is, um, a step-by-step system when it comes to portfolio building. And a lot of people will just ask me, oh, Brandon, what's a good stock to buy? What's a good stock right now? And it's like, that's not an easy question to answer until I know what your portfolio looks like because it's all relative. And if we had a student that comes to us, before we even think about what stocks to buy or what ETFs are the best ones, what index funds we want to use, we take it a step back and really lay the foundation of where we're going to invest. And it's, uh, we use the analogy of like a blueprint, right? Like if you're going to build a house, if you're a construction worker, before you start hammering things together, you know exactly where the walls are going to go. You know exactly where the roof is going to go. The doors, you literally plan it out on paper and then you go and place them in their respective spots. Okay. A portfolio should be exactly the same. So people love to just go out and buy stocks here and there, but how much am I going to put in the Canadian market? How much am I going to allocate to the US and international or bonds? And once you've got that mixed down, and this is where, you know, everybody has their own unique mix, then you go out and select stocks, just slot in kind of like Lego pieces or building blocks. But okay. it all starts with that foundation and uh, essentially laying the, the targets before you go out and pick the stocks. Okay. Yeah. And I can, I can attest that, that 
anyone who's not in a specific industry, they always yeah. are looking for simple answers to very complex questions, which is very, very difficult. I get the same sort of stuff on yep. a social aspect. People are like, oh, how do I do this? What's the best thing to post? And it's yeah. like, well, man, there's, there's no more stuff. to it. There's yeah. more to it than just, yeah. Exactly. And I know I'm guilty of that too. I've asked you for like specific recommendations, but it's just more so because you don't understand the complexity of it. So um, my question for that is for someone hearing this who is like, oh, where the hell do I start picking? What's a good allocation mm-hmm. to this? What's a good allocation to that? Obviously, Brandon knows because he's been doing it and he does it professionally. But for someone who's like completely new, how do they even approach setting their foundation and building that plan? Really, really good question. And um, I think it starts, you need to have a good foundation of, first of all, like the terms and knowledge. You don't want to just jump into portfolio building before you understand everything, it just gets too overwhelming. Like that's one of the final steps and one of the components of actually investing. Before that even, it's good to really dial into the, the simple stuff, right? Okay. The terms, the strategies, how you're going to invest to begin with. And I mean, there's a ton of places you can learn about that stuff. YouTube, you can read books. Uh, honestly, just these can be kind of self-taught in and of itself. Um, obviously, if you want to speed ramp it up, there's options like, I mean, we have our course, which does a whole pathway to follow. Mm-hmm. But what I always say is start with the very fundamental, kind of just getting a feel of the investing world before you get to the portfolio building. And then what happens is you really need to reflect on yourself. So we keep saying it's personal, but it truly is. You need to ask yourself questions like, how long do I plan to invest for? And how risky do I feel like being? Am I a risk taker or do I want to be really conservative? And all of those answers will dictate what the right balance is. Okay. So again, it's not as easy, it's not as simple as just giving a, a one size cookie cutter you know, fits all Solution. plan. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it comes to again, first of all, you have to understand what you're doing. And then you go as far as really reflecting on yourself and asking yourself some difficult questions like what are your goals from now on, right? Do you want to retire at this age? Do you want to retire at this age? Well, that may impact how you construct your portfolio. Are you gonna be more aggressive, more conservative? It's um it's kind of a workaround answer, but it's not so much a, a black and white thing once again. Yeah, yeah. So that makes total sense. And you mentioned that you want to get a solid understanding of the basis because, again, mm-hmm. that's going to be building your foundation. And mm-hmm. obviously, your YouTube channel is a huge free resource for that. But you mentioned that people can also read books. What are a few solid book recommendations that you would give? Really good question. Um, one of, It's not one that you hear about too often, but it's one called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. Okay. And it's a book by a guy named Nick Murray. And I may even have it here somewhere. Maybe not, maybe not, but Hey, that was actually the first investment book that I read. Okay. And it does a phenomenal job of priming you to come in with the long-term mindset. Mm. So again, I know everyone wants to jump into the stock picks. They say, well, how am I going to find the best uh, tech stock here and there? Slow your horses because without a, without a, the right mindset in the first place, the right principles instilled, you're going to end up doing the whole trading thing. Like we talked about, people are going to be jumping in and out and that starts with, that's, it's all the foundation. So yeah, simple wealth, inevitable wealth is I think an amazing book for beginners and it's really going to prime you for that long-term mindset. Yeah. But when it comes to actually selecting stocks, there's another really good one called one up on wall street. It's a, by a guy named Peter Lynch, who is a fund manager. And it, that one is more or less giving you some tips onto the actual stock picking where you can go out and identify trends that are happening, kind of use your common sense and see what's happening around us in our world and try to kind of find some edges on stocks or investments that you think will do well over the future. But those are just a couple beginner friendly books that I think 
anybody should read when it comes to the stock market. Okay, sweet. Definitely going to add those to my list. And then yeah. so someone it's massive, it's, I'd say it's probably the closest thing to like an investing celebrity there is would be Warren Buffett. Correct, so, yeah. so many people hear that name, they just know that he's synonymous with investing success. What are his core principles? Because you operate in a very similar way. Like, What mm -hmm. makes his strategy and his approach to things so successful? If say, say someone was asking that question who has very little investing knowledge, like why does what he do, does work? Yeah, really good question there, Ben. And it's, you're right. That is someone who I idolize and who I'm, well, his strategies and philosophies, he really views in the sense of you're not buying stocks, you're buying businesses. And that's something that, I mean, it's just a minor change there in the wording, but it's a huge difference because people, you know, when they think of the stock market, they'll think of the charts and the graphs, and it's about buying a stock here and getting the right indicators going. Warren Buffett takes the complete opposite approach. And he really tries to identify a company, like he uses the analogy of a farm, for example, right? If you're going to go out and buy a farm, you want to make sure it's a productive farm. You want to make sure that it's healthy. They got everything in store to have the, the, the crops running well, the animals are all well taken care of. You're buying a a f buying a stock is no different than buying a farm. You know, you're buying it for the value of it today with the expectation that 10, 15, 20 years from now, because of the output and whatnot. Too many people think of it like charts and stocks and indicators. The more you can kind of backtrack and look at it as a business than a stock chart, mm -hmm. the better you can do as an investor because yeah, he will, preach time and time again to not worry about the fluctuations here and there, right? If you bought a farm, who cares what people are going to value it as tomorrow? Who cares what people will value it a month from now? You were looking 10 years out from now. And that's really what matters. And when you're able to strip down the core principles of, you know, you're buying a business when you buy a stock that does really help keep you grounded when there's crazy stuff going on in the markets. Yeah, for sure. I think the, that approach to investing can really be applied to anything you want to be successful in regardless of the field or anything. Right. And I think it's in such scarce supply. Like so few people have patience. So few people mm -hmm. think about what they could achieve a year from now. They think about next week or exactly. tomorrow. Whereas if you shift that perspective, those are the people, once they achieve that, that really get to those level of results. And obviously Warren Buffett is one of the wealthiest people in the world. And he started mm -hmm. from fairly humble beginnings, just from adopting mm -hmm. those, those right things. And I actually saw a video from him yesterday, which that I really liked, which he was, he was like, uh, like, he's like, if I gave you a punch card, we only had 20 financial decisions to make for the rest of your life. You'd probably make great decisions because you'd think so much through each decision. Exactly. And yep. he's like, even out of these 20, you don't need to get all of these 20 right to be very wealthy. You could probably get by with four or five which I was like, right. that, that's a very cool perspective to think about it. It's like, if you actually invest the time, you're just increasing the likelihood that the decision's going to be a good one. Right. No, you kind of nailed it there. That's, that's, I've heard that analogy time and time again. And <laughs> you said, not just in investing, but just in anything, right? Yeah. You take your time to see the long-term prospects of something and you stick to it and you'll see the results if you don't get swayed away by the day-by-day the day day day, uh, consequences of things. For sure. And I think we, we all fall victim to that to some degree because of the kind of the landscape that we live in with social media, the internet, everything mm -hmm. happens so fast. We kind of expect results to emulate that. And it's just not the case for anything that's worth having and that's sustainable, like, like investing, what you, what stuff you preach on your channel. So I'm going to be 
that annoying person and ask you what would be some decent stock picks that you would have for, say, Canadians. Uh, just general stock picks, if that's even possible to do. Let's say, say if you had like three to five choices of what you think is a solid investment for someone who's just getting in the game. They really haven't started much for portfolio at all. It's a very definitely have a list of some of my favorites okay it's um again we kind of touched on the importance of having a good balance yourself but if i were to (laughs) skip that whole step and just go to say what are the top quality investments you can find out there in canada you can't overlook the banks yeah it's one of the biggest component of our economy and you know there's big five or big six banks the td banks royal banks bmo scotia bank etc and it's very tough to go wrong with those they pay great dividends they're going to grow over time. They're relatively stable compared to some other companies. They, they'll obviously have their ups and downs, mm-hmm. but over a long-term period, it's very tough to go wrong with the banks. I also love uh, the telecom companies. So that would be things like Bell and Rogers and TELUS. Everybody's got to pay for their phone bill. Everybody yeah. watches cable TV. And just a very, very reliable way to invest. That's one of the things we look for. And if you're just getting started and you're thinking, what's going to be a company I can own for the next 10 years? You know, don't go chasing the company that could go bankrupt next year. Go to something that's proven that's working. So another good selection would be the telecom companies, the railways, something that people often overlook. But yeah. Can- Canadian National Railway is a cool one. Uh, there's even CP Rail, which is a... Those would just be a few ones that I think you can just rely on, right? Uh, I don't want to ever say just you can buy a stock without researching it and you'll do fine. But these are the types of stocks where... You know, you pick your favorite bank and you put a, you put however much it is, you're probably going to do just fine 10, 15, 20. Okay. So it's a pretty safe bet and solid safe investment. Safe bet. Exactly. Okay. There's definitely, you can get up the riskier scale. We've been looking at some more fun ones, which again, come with more risk, but yeah. Aritzia was one that we're doing a little more research. Folio, the, the clothing company Aritzia. Yep. So that's, that's an example of, Hey, we years from now but you can also expect a little more reward for that that's the whole risk return spec that's the nature of it okay that's the nature of it right but you can definitely find some some little gems here and there but at the end of the day if you're just getting started i love to just start with the the boring old ones that are going to work for sure okay so you mentioned the banks and i'm a huge believer in that as well i think that our banking system is just so strong it's a great place to put your money that's going to give you some return and it's also very very safe what are your thoughts on some of the the newer players in the space like equitable bank with them being like a, a all online platform, like what are your views on that? Good question. So yeah, Equitable Bank is the parent company has, and yeah, they have new you know branches. Like I, I think maybe what you're referring to is the the high interest savings account. Is it the EQ mm. Bank thing you're talking about? Yeah. So yeah, that's like something I actually use, and I I use EQ Bank as well. It's my favorite little high interest savings account but they're owned by the parent company who has been around for a while. Okay. So they have history and yeah, you know, when, when you often come across a new area, let's say like a new, you know, a cool, uh, yeah, cool thing, like even wealth simple, for example, mm-hmm. wealth simple is a good example of, of a new, you know, robo advisor area. They're owned by a company called around for a long, long time. So it's kind of like these, you know, you think of it like an umbrella and, at the top top level, you got some really powerful companies with a lot of money and a lot of history to rely on. And then you can go out and pick and choose some of your favorites by investing in the parent company, if that makes any sense. No, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. So uh, I only have a few more questions here today and, and then I will let you go. So what are like what's in the immediate future for brand? Like what are you working on right now that you're excited about? Um 
a lot of things. There's just a lot of things I've been, um, I'm actually making some big moves here with my team. We currently have a team of, we have a team of one who actually does my, you know, customer service and whatnot. And it's just a, actually an in-house team, but we are expanding to actually bring on some sales units. Awesome. So we're going to have some sales reps and I'm thinking ideally three is what we're going to be looking at because yeah, we do have a sales component to our business and I'm super excited to kind of offload some of the work to them where they're going to be making some good money. They're going to be joining the vision here and that'll really let me have some more time to create, uh, whether that be YouTube videos, whether that be additional coursework, uh, some big, big changes and, uh, improvements in the course. Like right now, as I'm sure, you know, when you doing this, it does kind of take up your time. Right. And it's able to bring on some team members to kind of relieve me of that is I'm just beyond excited for what's to come. YouTube, uh, content creation, really just kind of getting back to the roots of how I got here, which was, you know, making really good videos. Okay. So, and those employees that you're referring to, that's, yeah. that's specific to your course business, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, um, aside from YouTube, we have our Academy and yeah, we do have, I mean, it does come, if you want to enroll, we do have a, it's, it's a pretty high ticket to enroll with us. Mm-hmm. We do have program for smaller people, but yeah, there are sales component units, the sales for my team. So hopefully, and we're actually, as we speak, we're in the training process of them absorbing the content, really getting to know the product, but we're going to be handing things off hopefully next week to start integrating the calls. And again, the ultimate goal is, you know, they can handle this. I can manage the other parts of the business. That's awesome. man. But yeah, That's awesome. definitely for our academy. Okay. So you are, what's your actual like professional title? Are you, are you a financial advisor? So I was a financial advisor back okay. when I was working with my dad. Yeah. Right now I'm not. I actually okay. had to give up that license to do YouTube, which is just crazy enough how that works. Really? They Yeah. They wouldn't let me do YouTube while I was licensed. Wow. It sounds hilarious because I actually know what I'm talking about and they don't want me teaching people. Yeah. But the, the idea is, and it's kind of, you know, they're covering their butts. If I go out and say something stupid or give a recommendation and everyone gets mad at me, I'm, I'm a representation of them. Okay. Right. The broker that I was working with. So they said, if you want to go out and make YouTube videos, you don't have, you can't associate with us. So I actually had to forfeit my license to make this YouTube channel. So right now, um, yeah, I'm not technically a licensed advisor. I was, but I like to call myself just a financial consultant, an online consultant. Uh, yeah, we are, our business name is actually BBI consulting because we do coaching, we do coursework and we're essentially, we're not taking on people's money because I can't legally do that. We're teaching you what to do with your money so that okay. you have full control. It's you at the reins of everything. We're not uh, for liability purposes. We don't touch any of your money. It's just, we'll give you the skills to do what you need to do. Okay. Awesome. So last time we spoke, I've, you were doing YouTube and I, you were still an advisor, weren't you? Yeah. So that was exactly it. So back in the day, we were in that little wiggle period and you actually have a three year, I guess it's called a three year suspended period to make the decision. Okay. And we actually came up on that where I decided, Hey, I'm not going to pursue. It was essentially as, as I was getting started with YouTube. I mean, I didn't know how fruitful it would be and whether this was going to be a long-term thing. So yeah, I was kind of going half there and back to say, well, if this doesn't pan out, I can still fall back on my career. I can still fall plan. But as soon as I realized, holy cow, I can do YouTube full-time for a living. I decided to not renew my license. Mm-hmm. And that's where we stand today where yeah, currently not licensed, but just doing the YouTube full time. Okay. So then I guess that, that would kind of segue into my next question here is, so you got into investing because you were passionate about it yourself. So what are you, 
like are you more passionate about helping others is that now where your passion lies like why did why the change um pretty early on excuse me no problem pretty early on from when i was actually getting my i'll say that again pretty early on with like the firm working with my dad when i started realizing how beneficial investing was. And again, I came from a background from nothing, right? I was on the outside looking in and I didn't have a good understanding of everything. But as soon as I realized like whole people can make if they just get started, like Mm -hmm. especially the young people, right? That's where the most potential is. You don't need a lot of money to get started. You can start with a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month. But if you can get that snowball rolling while you're young, it's insane how much money you can make over the years simply due to compound interest. And when I saw that and I actually grasped, like, you know, we go through projections and tools where it just shows, you know, if you start now, you invest this much, you're going to have, you know, $2 million by retirement, $4 million, 5 million. It was just so eye opening to me to be like, why is everybody not doing this? (laughs) And, you know, I started with my peer group, convincing them and we brought some of them on as firm. And then I figured, holy cow, I can go onto YouTube and reach thousands of people. And originally we started teaching young people. That's kind of, I was a millennial investing channel that kids learn to go. But what I realized was, holy cow, there's more than just young people on YouTube that need help. There's people of all ages. And again, now that I found the most, uh, the people that actually receive the help the best are the ones that have the money. They're in that, you know, 30 to 40 range who've got kids and they're seriously worried about their future. They said, I need to get stuff. I need to get this all sorted out. It's a wide range of people, but the end goal is, yeah. When you realize how powerful investing can be, I think that every single person out there should be doing it. Okay. And you like turning on that light bulb kind of thing for people and letting them see that for themselves. That's, that's the idea. And it's, um, it kind of comes through keeping things simple when people, if it's too overwhelming, that light bulbs. But again, one of my, from the feedback I get and what I, what I like to pride myself on is one of my skills is making it simple, making it digestible, making anybody understand. And when you get that, when you start nibbling away at this industry and you start realizing you can learn more and more sooner or later, that light bulb is going to switch and that can happen for any person out there. So that's, that's really what one of my goals are for the YouTube channel. Absolutely. That's awesome. So where can people find more of you? Like what are your social channels and then where can they find more information on the Academy? Uh, Quite simply, everything goes through my YouTube channel. That's kind of the main hub and that's just Brandon Beavis investing quite simple, my name and then investing. And through there, there'll be links that direct to our Academy. So it's, we also have our website, which is just brandonbeavis.com. But regardless, we're quite easy to find um, anywhere you Google search, you know, Brandon Beavis Investing Academy or Brandon Beavis Investing, you'll kind of just come into our network. And what I always say to anybody that is interested is just go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Start getting a feel for how we do things, start learning, start absorbing. And many people will start with the videos, the free videos, and then they go, holy cow, I really want to do this. This is something I can do. Mm-hmm. Let's go through with the academy. Let's go through and get our stuff set up. Let's join the community. And that's, again, that can all kind of filter through through the YouTube channel. Awesome. Awesome, man. Okay. So I only have one more question for you today, and then I'll let you get back to all the stuff you're working on. Sure. And that is kind of called like the dinner party question. So we're having a hypothetical dinner party. There's going to be five people in attendance, two of which are you and I. Okay. You get to pick the other three that can be anyone dead or alive. And then you get to pick what we're having for the main course. And then what are we having for dessert? Ooh, geez. And I take it there's no right answers for this? No wrong answers? No no wrong answers. Completely up to you. Interesting. Well, hey, just speaking on the topic of what we were just covering there, I think you have to go with Warren Buffett. I I I feel like other people may answer that as well, but he's... 
the amount of wisdom he have, I think it's just, you'd be crazy not, if you ever got the chance to meet him and just chat with him, he just, from any, from any videos you watch, obviously I haven't seen him in person, but anything you look at, he just seems like the nice, most nice, genuine guy. And he's just there to help people. And that would obviously be one from a perspective. That would be cool to have just finished the Michael Jordan documentary. He'd be an interesting one for sure. I don't know. I don't know what the vibe would be like with him. Cause you know, definitely pretty aggressive, definitely pretty, uh, I don't really know how to put the word on it, but he'd of course be another great to have uh, yeah. probably for the second guy. And number three, let's think about that. You're going to have to give me a second here. I guess off the top of my head, quick, quick, quick. Jeez. I'd be happy with just those two, but why don't we go with, why don't we go with Drake? I don't know. Drake? It just popped to my head. Nice. Just, just popped to my head. Perfect. Listen to some, some music on the way back uh, driving here. So yeah. That'd be, those are my three picks for today. Okay, sweet. So you got the three. Now, what are we having for dinner and what's for dessert? Dinner and dessert. Uh, let's go with, I don't know why I'm thinking of a turkey dinner. Like I'm just picturing <laughs> one of those big turkey dinners, but that's not, sweet. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want that. Okay. Uh, I'd rather go for some, probably some Asian food. Nice. Probably just like a nice dish, nice, some nice Chinese food. And then for dessert, we could have a, so let's go for a classic apple pie, like a nice crumbly apple pie. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, that dinner <laughs> sounds awesome. I hope that comes to be. And uh, One day, one day. Exactly. I just want to thank you so much for your time uh, once again. And for everybody listening to this, go check out Brandon's YouTube channel. An exceptional place to start with investing. And even for myself, I've been investing for a few years now. I always learn new things on his channel. So thank you so much for your time, man. Really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to follow along with you, your business, and all the awesome stuff that you're doing. Thanks, Ben, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for listening, fellow social media nerd. Don't forget to keep the social in social media and share this episode with someone who will love it. And follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Until next time, stay social.